Hi there, and welcome to this week's edition of the Jersey Weekly Podcast, the independent, excuse me, Rangers podcast, which is made by fans for fans, and where the content is absolutely free. And as I say every week, guys, it's not just the podcast we have here at Jersey. <coughs> we have forums, articles, social media. Uh, we've also got the podcast. There's a history archive on there. Lots of stuff. So get yourself onto the website. It is episode 119 of the Jersnet podcast. If you've not listened to us before, we would ask you to subscribe. We're approaching 4,000 subscribers at the moment. So thanks to everyone who's done so, so far. And if you haven't, please do and share us as well. Uh, the podcast is live tonight. It's live on the Sunday night. However, we will be available to download and stream on a variety of platforms from tomorrow, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, CastBox, Stitcher, and Spotify. So now I've got the sort of out the road. I can bring in uh, the guests tonight. Uh, so we've got Ian Doff and Chris Jack. Ian, I'll come to you first. Uh, how was your Christmas? Did you have a nice Christmas? Ah, very nice. Thank you. Quiet as uh, as everyone as everyone did, but weird as as it was. But uh, yeah, that was good. Pants and socks. As always, yeah. Uh, Links Africa. No, no, no. Moved on. <laughs> you too old for that. Eh? <laughs> Far too old for that. <laughs> Uh, I was pants and socks as well. Although I got a turntable, I know you quite like your vinyl, so I got a turntable as well. So quite tough for that. So I, I good stuff. Uh, you happy with Rangers at the moment and all that's going on there? Reasonably so. Yeah, I mean, I think we're you know if you start at the start of the season, we're saying if we asked ourselves, would we be happy with where we are now at that point? I think we'd have been you know definitely uh, more than happy biting your hands off for that. More than happy. So yeah, yeah. I mean, let's keep it going. We're halfway there, so. Everything's looking, everything's looking good. positive. Uh, and also joining us tonight for his debut uh, is Chris Jack from the Glasgow Times and the, the Herald. How are you, Chris? Why are you joining this sort of amateur band of rogues on a Sunday night? Just proving that I can turn my hand to anything these days. <laughs> well, we'll try and test you in that, actually. <laughs> How was your Christmas? Was it, was it good fun? Obviously, a wee bit different this good. year. Always good fun. Aye, it's not also not ideal, not the not the circumstances that any of us want to be uh, celebrating Christmas in. But I still, I still good, still quite enjoyed it. Um, and it was nice just to basically a day off as well. It's been really kind of hectic, a hectic first half of the season and yeah. month between you know, European games and league games and cup games and the and the AGM as well. It's been a busy December, so actually just getting a day off was quite nice as well. So back if I can do it this week and obviously building up to the building up to the Celtic game and after that we can all decide how good the how good the first half of the season has actually been for Rangers. Yeah, a day off. I mean, Frankie doesn't give us any of them, to be fair. You know, he's, he's quite a, a Mike Ashley on the slide. But anyway, uh, guys, I thought tonight we would, we would talk about, uh, obviously, the game yesterday at Ibrox against Hibs. So, some good stuff came out of that. Have a wee look at the, the St. Johnson game through the week. Have a wee discussion about that. And the Samaritan game coming up on Wednesday night. Before we go into it, Ian, I thought I would bring this up with you. Sorry, I meant to mention before we came on air. I don't want to uh, catch you sort of on, on the hop here. Thought it was worth mentioning, you know, the passing of Jim McLean. I know you're sort of similar age to me and, and, and probably can remember, you know, his Dungeon United team of the 80s, you know, they won the league in 1983, came quite close to getting to the European Cup final in 84, got to the UEFA Cup final in 87. Uh, and, and crucially, it, it, it feels like a sliding doors moment with, with, with Jim McLean because it, along with Alex Ferguson, he was offered the Rangers job and uh, the, the story is they initially accepted it and Walter Smith was going to come with him as, a, as his assistant and then he changed his mind. 
and you kind of wonder, I think you put something out on Twitter as well, you know, what would have happened if he'd have taken that job, you know, where the club would have went, would Sunis have been part of the equation, for example. And uh, so I, th- I thought it was maybe just worthwhile having a wee discussion about him. And, and what are your memories of Jim McLean and, and his United team in the 80s? Well, I mean, like you say, I mean, he was, well, I think I, I described him as a giant in Scottish football. And, it, you know, when you think what Dundee United were and what they are now, it's hard to comprehend that he had them on the verge of a European Cup final. He had yeah. them winning the league. He had them in a UEFA Cup final. I mean, you know, that's, you know, that's the similar to, you know, I don't know, Livingston or something like that, re- reaching those those heavy heights now. And, you know, it's, it's just... It's almost like a Scottish Nottingham Forest, isn't it? That's kind of essentially what it is. Well, I mean, maybe even more so, because, I mean, you know, Dundee United were... They weren't even the biggest team in Dundee, you know. You know <laughs> they weren't. And, and you know, the, he, he took them from, from nothing right up. And it was, you know, it was all about him, because it's similar to, I suppose, with Aberdeen. Who maybe were a bit bigger, but the, the, with, with Ferguson with Aberdeen, you know, he they basically dragged them from nothing up to this you know European level club, and like you say, I mean, you know, that was that was the, the phrase I used as well was uh, sliding doors because who knows what would have happened if he'd come to Rangers in '83, I think it was yeah. when John Gregg uh, resigned or whatever, uh, he would have. Who knows? I mean, he could have been successful. He might. You, know, you would. You would think he would have been. If he was, would we have had the, the need to bring in Sunis and have that massive overhaul and, and you know that the, the revolution that, that followed? If we didn't do that, would we have then gone on to to nine in a row? Would would, would things have bubbled along at a lower level, or or would it would it still have happened the way it, it panned out in the end? So the whole the whole sort of scenario. Uh, for Rangers, especially, would have would have been different, probably, and you know, it would have been interesting. I would, you know, I'd like to have seen him at, at the time. I was, you know, disappointed that he didn't come. I was disappointed that Alec Ferguson didn't come. Maybe looking back, the way it panned out, you know, it worked out okay. Then. It worked out not too bad. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so maybe it was complain. maybe it was the best uh, thing all around for everybody. But you know, yeah. just just uh, I mean, you know, so, you know, he's not everyone's cup of tea. I can, I can, you can say that for certain. But, um, but you know, you can't argue with his record and what he did and what he achieved. You know, absolutely unbelievable. Chris, I don't know if that. I mean, I, I, I don't exactly know for your age group, but I'm, I'm, I'm fairly confident that you're a bit younger uh, than myself and Ian. Uh, so I mean I don't know if you've got many memories and probably if you do it'll be like when he was thumping reporters from the BBC towards the end of his time at Dungeon United. Uh, so have you got any memories of, of Jim McLean? I would hope guys from from my generation don't just think of that incident and think that was Jim McLean. So his his knocky period of, of dominance or his period at United was a wee bit before my time unfortunately. So I never got to see how good that United side was but seeing you know, the tributes that come in from his former players and guys that work with him and uh, some of the press uh, stuff that's been done, the guys also got to know him about there. You really could build a picture of what type of man he was, what type of manager he was, and just how ahead of his time he was in terms of his, his football outlook and his, his tactics. And as Ian said, you know, what you know, to do what he did with that, with Dundee United. Everybody talks about you know, the key corner shop, and you know, by the time we'd finished with him, they're certainly a whole lot bigger and a whole lot better than a corner shop. So I think he's, he's one of these guys, you, know, you will have former players or managers who will be wholly revered at, at their club um, in the past, or there'll be like an outpouring from fans of that particular club. I think, I think Jim McLean is one of those figures, one of those huge figures in, in Scottish football. Whether you're a Dundee United fan or not, you will be feeling slightly 
uh, sad and upset and I have your own memories of him. He's, he's one of these guys that will can transcend the Scottish game rather than just being a manager of, a, of your club. One of the other things that sort of I noticed as well is the amount of Rangers supporters, particularly I've, I've been reading saying, you know, we were cheering Dun United on and Ian Aberdeen on as well when they were at their, yeah, their, 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 their that level. Yeah. I mean, when they were going for these European trophies, I mean, that's not going to happen nowadays, is it? I mean, I, you know, not not even close to that. So, so he, he he was he was more than just those, you know, their own club. Yeah, you know, he, he sort of transcended that, and he he, uh, he he sort of had everyone behind him. So you know that, and that's that's saying something as well in the, the sort of a different era, I know, but you know, still still a very partisan uh, atmosphere in Scottish football. So to get everyone behind you, you know, no matter which team you support, then it's that, that's saying something as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of outpouring. I don't think much of it is coming from Duncan Ferguson, to be fair. But no, I can imagine. <laughs> there has been a lot. I, I read a really good piece on Nutmeg uh, by Neil Forsyth. It's really, really good. Uh, so I would recommend that to anyone if, if you're looking for any sort of Jim McLean-related reading. Uh, right, on to yesterday's game, guys. Uh, Ian, I'll come back to you first on this. I, I mean, general thoughts on the performance. I mean, I, I was reading some of the match reports today. Uh, the, the one on the BBC website last night was, was pretty laughable uh, and Douglas Alexander on the Sunday Times today was similar uh, just this perception that Rangers were lucky yesterday and that Hibs played really well now I'm, I'm not taking anything away from Hibs it, it, was, it was a fairly sort of stubborn performance from them but I mean I thought in the first half Rangers were, were quite comfortable you know they've, they've, they've created a few chances there uh, you know Connor Golson had the header. Uh, Hadji had a shot that went wide. Uh, Balogun had the shot cleared off the line. You know, we, we created three or four chances and we had a, a couple of chances in the second half. Balogun again had another really clear-cut chance when he nearly scored. Uh, and, and Morelos had a really good chance towards the end as well. You know, you, you could argue that the keeper did pull off two or three saves to keep them at. But the sort of general feeling that I was reading various match reports, and no doubt sports team will be the same, was, you know, Hibs were unlucky. They, they merited a draw. Uh, Rangers were quite lucky, you know, we're not firing on all cylinders, which there's maybe something in that. But I thought, you know, if you take the nerves out of that game yesterday, which there was a lot of, I mean, I have felt the nerves crank up over the last two or three games, especially since the St. Mirren game. But if you take the nerves out, I think any neutral watching that game would say that Rangers won 1-0 fairly comfortably. Is is that how you would view it or would you would you go with the, uh, the sort of idea that Hibs merited a draw yesterday? I don't think it was comfortable, but I certainly think it was deserved. Uh, I thought we were the, the better team over the 90 minutes. Hibs had their moments. They played better than probably in fact, probably the, be- the best team we've played this season, I would say, uh, in the, in domestically. Um, that said, I never really felt that Rangers were in any way in danger during the game. I mean, I, apart from, you know, there, there, were, there were a few moments during it, and when it's only 1-0... You've always got that sort of nagging doubt there, and especially what we've seen in the last couple of seasons, where you think, "Oh, is this it? Is it? Is it happening again?" But you have to be say that it's, it's not, you know. And, and that so far, anyway. But you know, the, the games where there've been these tests, like the uh, the Motherwell game and uh, earlier uh, a few weeks ago, uh, you know, they've they've come through and kept battling away and, and being strong and defended well and and. and Taking the chances when they had them, that I think was probably the, the 
the most disappointing thing yesterday was that we didn't get another couple of goals because I think if we'd scored another goal, then the game would have been dead. I think uh, Hibs got a bit more encouragement because they were only a, a goal behind and they, they probably felt that if they managed to get something, uh, then then we could crumble. Um, so the fact that we didn't is good. But it would be better if we had a, a bit of a cushion there, uh, maybe uh, with uh, a couple of goals. Um, but no, I think overall, I don't think there was any anything to be alarmed about at all. You know, I think I think Hibs played okay, which you know you would expect. I mean, they're the the, the team that are uh, second in the league, so you know they, they should give us a test. But you know, that's what winning leagues is all about is winning the games where you're tested and it would be a, a strange situation if we went through an entire season without even being tested it would almost be like when Celtic were winning the league the last few seasons so yeah <laughs> we didn't have any opposition <laughs> uh, Chris I, I mean it, it does kind of feel like the the kind of free-flowing uh, high-scoring uh, Rangers team sort of early on in the season has has, has gone uh, and but I mean we're still Rangers are still winning fairly comfortably, and and, and, and you know any challenge that's put put before them uh, outside that St Mirren game in, in the Betfred Cup, you know we're meeting those challenges. Still to be beating the league, you know we're sixteen points clear. Fair enough, you know Celtic have, have got three games in hand. But as as Ian said earlier on, there you would have to say that if you were offered this at the start of the season, you would you would you would bite your hand off. But do you think Stephen Gerrard and, and Rangers would be concerned that the, the sort of you know that fluid, free flowing, free flowing stuff has has gone, or as as Ian has sort of alluded to there, this is part of winning titles. You're going to get games where you just you win one now, you pack up and you go home and say right next game. I, I think this is just all part of just all part of winning titles. Stephen spoke about uh, resilience and character, and he's he's post match uh, press conference yesterday. I think that I basically summed it up. You now you will get games. It's, it's not all going to be taking four off Aberdeen and taking eight off. Of Aggies, you will get because how good this Rangers team is and how good they can be going forward. You will get days like that where they can go and give teams a real going over. But you are going to get games like this where teams can come and it can make life difficult for you, such as the Motherwell game, who also just set out to defend and make life really difficult for Rangers. You then get games like Hibs who can set up in a certain way to make life a wee bit more difficult, but then have that have that bit more quality going forward. And I think Hibs deserve a bit of credit for, for how they came and played. Thought Jack Ross's game plan was really good. Rangers deserve to win the game. Rangers more than merited the three points, and if they'd won two 0 three 0 I don't think it would be a massive, a massive injustice. I think if you have to watch that game back, knowing that Rangers win, and without the nerves and without the key pressure of it, you'd say I Rangers were more than comfortable here. I don't think there was any. Now going into the last 10, 15 minutes, I was more than happy to sit and write the intro on my match because I never really thought Rangers were going to, uh, Rangers were going to throw it away in the last uh, 10, 15 minutes the game, always, always fairly confident that we get over the line and I think they're now showing a different side to the game, the fact that they can do that, the fact they can grind these uh, type of games out, that's the kind of mark of champions that they I think they're still to prove, it, prove that in the long run and by the time you get to the, the last few games this season, but I think they're, they're certainly going a long way to showing that they do have that ability to grind out the types of games that win your titles Still on mute yeah, sorry uh, Ian, uh, Hadji came in yesterday, uh, started the game, got his second goal in, in, in the space of a week. You know, he scored on Wednesday night uh, at 
uh, St Johnson as well. Now he's, he's he spent a fair bit of time on the sidelines and sort of hummed and hawed and struggled. And when he was in the team at the start of the season, you know, you, you were seeing comments on social media and, and blah de blah about you know they didn't think he was quite doing it. Although his numbers we'd spoken in the show previously about you know his numbers in terms of assists and all that kind of thing were stacking up fairly decent. But I think he was he, he was maybe a player that didn't look like he was imposing himself on on games. So how how good is it to see him back and sort of you know making contributions again? Because you know if Rangers do go on and win the title this season, you know it, it, it isn't the four nothings as sort of Chris said there. You know it's not the four nothings here and there and the five ones and all that. It is these one nil games, these two one games that you look at and think, well, you know it was fairly tight that day. Those are the crucial games. So for him to get the winning goal yesterday, big for him. Is, is it good to see him back? Well, obviously, yeah. I mean, I was never. When a lot of the, the talk about him not doing well and not contributing well, it was never quite as thought it was quite as clear cut as, as some people were thinking. Because I think a lot of people are expecting him to be pulling off magical tricks and and scoring spectacular goals. And I don't think that was the role he was being asked to play. Having said that, he is capable of doing, you know, good stuff. You know, the kind of stuff that we need to to win games like that. And that goal he scored yesterday, although it seemed like a simple goal there was a lot to it and there was a good build up to it but his run across uh, the defender to get to that ball and the finish first time was uh, top quality and you know that's the kind of thing that we're expecting from him and that's good to see him doing it and and, as you say two goals in a row I think will will help his confidence but you know I think his overall contribution has been not too bad I know he's not maybe doing spectacular and, you know, maybe in a similar vein to Ryan Kent that we'll maybe speak about later is that he's doing stuff that isn't maybe, uh, isn't, isn't maybe grabbing the headlines, but he's working hard. The game against uh, uh, Motherwell and he was getting kicked left, right and centre, but he, he he was brave. He got up, he, he, you know, the ball came to him. He was, he, w- he wasn't hiding. He was taking it on. He was making himself available. He was taking the kicks. He was dishing it out as well, a wee bit as well, which was good to see. A lot of people were saying, you know, he's he's maybe not up to the the rigors of Scottish football, and you know, maybe there is an element of that, but it, it's maybe a more a case of him just getting used to it and 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 how the the game plays here and, and the sort of protection you'll get as a a creative player in Scotland, which is probably very little. So you know, it, it'll take him a while to to develop that, but I think yeah, yeah, I mean, he looks like a player that will benefit a lot from confidence and scoring goals, especially important goals can only help that and you know, I think yeah I mean he's, he's all part of the I think well, because he was it was quite a big fee we paid for him relatively speaking I think people were expecting a lot and because of his name obviously people expected yeah. a lot and you know he's got to live up to that but at the same time you know we've got to be realistic about you know what what he's been asked to do more than anything you know you know he's, he's playing a role Gerard has put him in and, and has been happy with him what he's been doing over the last two games and I think that's we, we should we should welcome that. Chris, a, a, a controversial moment yesterday uh, in the second half involving uh, the, the aforementioned <clears throat> Haji, a uh, penalty claim. Now, I mean, at the time, you know, when it was in real time, I kind of thought, oh, you know, that could be... Th- and then, you know, Willie Collum didn't give it. Seeing the replay, though, it seems to me that there's a fair amount of fresh air between Haji's boot and, uh, who was it? It was Joe Newell's head. <laughs> Now the, the 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 consensus on Sky and every every sort of match report I've read has said it's a penalty. I'm not convinced. I know I'm going to come across like sounding like I'm a biased Rangers fan, but I genuinely 
because there's no contact, I was thinking, oh, uh, at the time, I did think, you know, but having watched it, you know, three or four times, I'm not convinced. What was your view of that? Did you think it was a penalty? At first, I didn't even really see it because the press box now is right up the back of the in the back of the main stand behind the uh, director's box. So at, at the time, I didn't even take it down as a note, thinking that that's not worthy and that's something that I need. I need for my match report. Both managers were asked about it post match. Jack Ross obviously thought it was a penalty, and Stephen Gerrard was just kind of nonplussed about the whole thing. I've seen it again. I've seen the in the video and seen some of the pictures. I can see why Hibs are claiming for it. If it was up the other end. Rangers fans would probably claim for it. Is it the biggest injustice in the world? No. Does it, would it change the would it change the game? Maybe. But I, I, I really don't see the I don't see the whole kind of out, outcry about it. I think it, it was a claim. I can see why Hibs claim for it. I, but I can also see why why Stephen Gerrard isn't overly isn't overly concerned about it. It's not as if Hadji has has kicked him in the head, as you said. There's a fair bit of fresh air between where Hadji's boot was and where Joe Newell's head was. Uh, so I. I don't really see it being one of the, uh, don't really see it being the talking point that seems to have turned into. Did, did Tav have a wee bit of a claim in the first half for a penalty? Yeah, there was a, there was one where he was coming in from the right, and uh, I don't know, I don't think it was much contact really. To be honest, I don't think it was a penalty, but it could have been given. It was as I would say this as strong a claim as as Hibs had. The uh, the one where Roof was. Uh, Tackled, uh, <laughs> where he went over the ball, over the top, and then grabbed the ball. He's he's tra- uh, trailing through. Yeah, I thought that was far more a, a shout than either of those two. Uh, and you know, I haven't seen any reference to that at all today. So, I guess it depends on and a what questions you get asked, and b what the uh, what answer you give when when it comes to the, the controversy being created with these things. But to me, you know, it, that that incident with, with Hadji, I. When I saw it, I thought, well, he, he's got his back to the, the player came in from behind him and he had his back to him and put his foot up without any knowledge of where the, the Hibs player was. That was, that was I mean, I'd, I've only seen it once, so I, I, maybe I'm, I'm wrong in how I remember it, but that was how I saw it at the time. So I didn't think there was, even if there was contact, which there obviously wasn't or much, uh, I didn't think it was a, a deliberate foul and I didn't think it, it would merit a, a penalty. I could see it being given and, you know, at the end of the day, you wouldn't probably complain if it was given, but I didn't think it was a, a major a major talking point in the game at all. Chris, uh, before we came on air, uh, we were having a wee, a wee conversation about uh, Brian Kent. Now, again, uh, looking at Twitter and social media, you know, a lot of sort of comments about his, his contribution at the moment. Mm-hmm. Not... The majority of which are fairly negative, it has to be said, you know, but, and it does feel like he's going through a fairly indifferent period at the moment. Uh, and I, I, I know we're discussing the sort of positive stuff, stuff that he was doing before we came on air, but there is a feeling, I mean, I, I feel at the moment he's quite wasteful with possession, that a lot of moves are, are, are breaking down with him. Uh, and he just doesn't seem it. He started the season so well, you know, he was scoring and, and, and causing a, a lot of problems. Is it maybe time to take him out the firing line, or is is he is he too integral in doing other things that, that maybe fans aren't aware of and, and don't and don't highlight that we, we just need to keep him in the team and let him play himself back into form? I think that's how the manager will play. I, I don't see Kent being dropped any, anytime soon. Um, I think people also look at his his numbers and, and Ryan himself has spoken a lot about his numbers. That's something I know he places quite a lot of emphasis on in terms of his goals, his assists, and that's how he he judges himself as 
as much as Emdy. And I know that's how Stephen Gerrard judges him as well. But I think there's there's more that he brings to the team. I know you don't really want wingers in the team for their defensive qualities, but I think if Ryan wasn't in the team, you would notice how wide open that left-hand side would be. I think the, the, the hard-working qualities that Ken brings on, on that left-hand side and Roof has brought at, at times on the right-hand side, I think that's key to the way that Rangers play, especially when the, when the two full-backs are as attacking and are bombing up and down the flanks as they do. If, if you have to bring them out of the team, I think the question is, who do you... Who do you put them in? You look at the, the squad depth and you look how good the squad is overall. Left left winger is probably the one area in the squad where you don't really have MD as good as Ryan Kent that can go in. And you think of the options that uh, the manager has at the centre half, you think of the options he's got through the middle, certainly in the middle of the park, any combination of the three is going to be a good one. Left hand side of that forward line, I don't see MD that can come in and do the job that, that Ryan Kent does. Now, Brandon Barker is probably, the, is probably the obvious one. I don't see him. He, now going into the Celtic game next week, I'd be amazed if, if Brandon Barker plays. I think it, it takes a certain type of game for him to come into. The games that Rangers have had in the last few weeks haven't really suited him. The games they've got coming up, I think, are too big for him. And Rangers need a key guys on the park. Uh, and Stephen has got that much faith in, in Ryan Kent. I'd be amazed if, if you see his, his name not on the team sheet on, on Wednesday night and certainly for the whole fun game. Ian, one sort of wee negative for, for yesterday was the, the injury to Scott Arfield. You know, he came on, I think it was like the 75th minute or something, he came on and he, he, he was off like five minutes later, you know. It looked, and it was him making a challenge. It wasn't the other way about, you know, he's challenged the boy. And I was watching the replay and it looks like he's just jabbed his ankle. You know, his ankle sort of landed awkwardly when he was making that challenge. Uh, Ryan Jack's also still out at the moment. And so, is is that a concern? You know, because st- those it's only two injuries, but they're in the same area. Are we starting to get a wee bit threadbare in that area? And also, is is Ryan Jack becoming a bit of a concern now? Because for a couple of weeks there, we were hearing, oh, you know, he's only a couple of games away at Stephen Gerrard's press conference uh, through the week there for the, the the St Johnston game. He sort of suggested that he would make Saturday again, didn't make the squad, and he was a wee bit evasive about when he was due back yesterday. So, is Ryan Jack also becoming a bit of concern? Is it, could this maybe be a long-term injury we're looking at? Well, there's obviously been a setback uh, because he was supposed to be back in the team potentially two or three games ago, I think. So, you know, there's obviously something that isn't quite right and obviously there's a concern. Um, and I think, you know, he, he would make a big difference to the team. I think I read a stat somewhere saying that uh, in games that he'd played in, Rangers had had, and this is probably completely wrong figure, but he'd, the Rangers had had 15 uh, clean sheets in games that he played and four in games that he hadn't played or something like that. That the Figures might not be right, but it, it basically it was saying that his contribution was helping us keep the, the goals out, basically. And, and you know, so so he's obviously being missed. Um, yeah, but with, uh, with Arfield as well, yeah, that it's... A, it, it's he might not necessarily at the moment. He's obviously not uh, the first pick, but two or three games ago he was. He was he was form was tremendous, uh, and he's a great player to have to bring on as well. So, uh, yeah, definitely if he's out for any length of time, it's going to be a, 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 a disappointment. It is the, the area I would say that we've got the, the, the strongest uh, in terms of players uh, in sheer numbers is the central midfield area. Two of them out, okay, that's disappointing, but we're, we're still, I would say, got a pretty strong midfield. Uh, if it was one of the, the forward line, then you'd be maybe a bit more concerned if it was going to be a long-term thing. 
Um, but yeah, I don't I don't think there's anything to be overall to be concerned about. But you know, obviously individuals so they're they're too, they're too important players, uh, and if they're out at all for any length of time, then it's that's uh, that's a, a bit of a worry. But yeah, Chris, uh, any, anything from your uh, journalistic travels on Ryan Jack? Is, is, are, are there any whispers going about about when he will when he'll sort of reappear? No, much like you said, Colin, every time the manager or Gary McAllister have been asked about him, it's always been, he seems fairly close. He might not make the next game, but the game after that, he should be back involved. So I think everybody just expected him over the last two or three games. Everybody just expected he'll, he'll go on the bench one day, he'll get 15, 20 minutes. He might get half an hour the following game, and after that, he's then in contention to start. And that's him, that's him back up and running again. It's a bit of a, bit of a worry because the Rangers had this situation at the start of the season with Aribo. And he was only meant to for a couple of weeks, and then turned into like uh, several weeks. So, I think there, I think there's certainly a concern there. As you said, to lose two guys, if you're going to lose two players from the one position, losing them in the midfield is is the best of the worst case scenario. Uh, but have, having Ryan Jack back would certainly be a huge bonus to Rangers, uh, and hopefully the, the engine news on on Scott Scott Arfield was not that bad. The, the manager did look fairly worried when he was. Asked about it yesterday, so he's going to have a press conference on Tuesday. So I'm assuming nowadays, other updates on those two will certainly be certainly be top of the agenda because they're two huge players for Rangers and two two huge players on the park and off the park. Now the manager, he, he trusts the two of them. Uh, the two of the guys that are part of like a leadership group, and the two of the guys that he really can rely on to to drive standards, to keep standards high, and not having the two of them in around the squad would certainly be a would certainly be a blow if that's going to be a like a long term thing. Ian, moving on to the, the, the St. Johnston game on the previous Wednesday, another sort of, it was a wee bit less of a nervy affair, you know, we, we looked quite comfortable for most of the game, 3-0, uh, I, I, I only had one complaint and we'll, we'll come on to that, it was how much I paid to watch the, the, the bloody thing, but uh, in, in terms of the performance that night, I, I would say over the last three or four games it's been probably the most relaxed performance in terms of watching it, you know, we felt comfortable, got the early early goal through roof. Uh, I thought Joe Aribo, you know, started to look like he was getting back up to speed again that night. And overall, a satisfying performance and, and result. Yeah, like you say, I mean, it was, it was as much as a midweek away game uh, this time of year can be, it was pretty comfortable um, uh, overall. Um, in fact, one of these games where you felt that, you know, maybe that was an opportunity to get two or three more goals on, on the scoreboard. But but yeah, I mean, ha- I would have no complaints whatsoever uh, about that that performance. And like you say, Joe Arribo, um he's one of these players who seems to be, it takes a little bit of time for him to start getting back up to speed. Um, even when he, when he joined at first, he, he, you know, he, he had, there was flashes of him looking good, but it took him a wee while to to sort of settle in and, and find his, his sort of niche in the team and, and start performing. He performed really well last season, and uh, and in the start of this season, the, the injury obviously knocked his uh, progress out, and and it's taken him a wee bit of time gradually to get back into things again but I think he's going to be a massively important player for us for, for the rest of the season if he if he remains fit he'll be uh, I think he'll be a, a regular uh, regular starter uh, because he brings something different he's really good on the ball he's really good at holding on to the ball and he's really difficult to get the ball off so if he's in a dangerous position you know you, you know 
the opposition are, are going to start panicking because if he starts running towards their goal, they have to stick their feet in. Uh, danger that they're going to bring him down. Uh, the, the wee nutmeg he did at the end of the game, uh, I think everybody enjoyed as well uh, when the, the clock was running out. Uh, he's capable of doing that sort of stuff. And, you know, and, and that, again, is the sort of player you need when you're playing up against a, a stuffy defence, uh, when you've got two banks of five, uh, you need somebody who's got a bit of footwork who can who can hold onto the ball, twist and turn with it, uh, get through uh, the, the the crowds of players, and, and then open it up. And he's got the intelligence as well to to look for the the right pass as well. So it's not just a case of running with it and then hitting a brick wall and 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 losing possession. So you know, yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be an outstanding player long term, but especially for this season, I think he's going to be really important. Chris, staying on, on Joe Rebo, I mean, I, I, I used the phrase watching the game with my son yesterday. I said, he could he could keep the ball in a phone box, you know what I mean? There could be 20 folk in that phone box and, and he would keep the ball. He was involved in two of the goals on Wednesday night against St. Johnson. And you, you, as Ian was saying there, you do kind of get the feeling that, that going forward into the, the vital sort of stage over the next two or three months, moving into Easter when, when titles are <laughs> won and lost. And I mean, I know Rangers are in a fairly comfortable position at the moment, but you know, they're far from home in terms of winning winning the title. So moving forward, how important do you think Joe Aribo will be? Because I, I think Ian's got a point there. You know, he's so creative. He's, he's good at keeping possession. He's just got so much about him. And I think in games like yesterday, you know, when it's it's nip and tuck, somebody like somebody like Aribo could could be the difference. I think the fans are maybe underestimated just what that period at the start of the season everybody was out and didn't, he didn't play for a few weeks. I think they maybe underestimated how big a setback that was for him. Uh, it's probably the the longest term that he's not been playing football in his, in his young career. He's not really had an injury uh, like that to, to try and kind of recover from, both from a physical point of view but a mental point of view as well. He, he's not had that, that break from football and you can tell when he's got the ball at his feet, he's just a guy that just loves to entertain, to go and take people on, to, to try things, to be expressive. If you then take that away from him for as long as he was out, that's also going to be a that's also going to be hard for him. Now, I think you're really seeing him getting getting back to his best, really seeing what he can what he can bring to the team. He's a type of guy you just love watching. You you know that anything can happen at, at any moment. That that close control, the the touch against St. Johnson, he pulls it down from there. From um, from my lot, there's very few players in in the Rangers squad, very few players in the in the Scottish League they could do that type of thing. But Joe Rebo can do that and that that's what makes him special. He's maybe not the type of guy for every occasion. But I think he's adding that okay, physicality to his game. He's showing that he can he can mix it if required. He's he's going to take a few dunks, he's going to take a few knocks now and again. But he's the type of guy he will get back up. He'll come for more and type of guy he's got that much confidence and that much ability. He's gonna be a he's gonna be a nightmare to play against for any side in this in this league. So I think there's there's certainly more to come from him. The manager clearly loves him, trusts him, beats him, and I can see why the fans love uh, watching him as well. A type of guy just a joy to watch playing football. Ian, uh, the, the game on, on Wednesday night against St. Johnson, there was there was one aspect that really upgrew me, and, and that was the, the, the price for the pay-per-view. So it was uh, £17.50 uh, to, to watch one game of football on the telly through Saints TV. Now, I mean... I've saw some. I saw some football account post. Uh, I saw a, a, a list of how much supporters have had to pay for pay per view since this strange season started. Obviously, we're not getting any grounds at the moment, so we have to find different ways of watching football. I get that, but they were they were sort of insinuating that Rangers supporters had had gotten off 
lightly. You know, we haven't hadn't had to pay anything as of yet in terms of pay-per-view. And I, that really upped me because, I, you know, I paid the best part of sort of 50, 60 pound a month to, to Sky. I pay another sort of 10, 20, 30 pound a month to BT. I was paying another 10 a month to Premier Sport until St. Murren buggered that up. So, you know, it's it's not like, you know, no matter what club you support, it, it's not like we're not having to pay to watch our football. And at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I've had to pay my season ticket as normal just to watch the home games, you know, on, on the telly. So that upped me. And then when I saw it was the, the best part of 20 quid to watch one game, I just thought, you know, but now I've, I've had loads of people coming to me saying, well, you know, you can you, you can subscribe for it on Rangers TV and VPN it. But I'm, I'm a bit of a technophobe, so I'm going to have to get someone to show me how to do that. And you've also got maybe supporters that, you know, maybe older supporters that wouldn't know how to do that. Older supporters that maybe would be a wee bit wary of, well, how do I order it on Saints TV just normally? So, I mean, one, the, the process that you have to go, but two, the, the price. I mean, £18 for one game of football and the, the, the production value wasn't very high. You know, for like the first 20 minutes, I didn't have any commentary. And then when the commentary did come on, I wished I didn't have commentary again because it was, it was just so bad. Uh, so, I mean, does it, does it feel to you that that's just basically ripping the pits, essentially? You know what I mean? It's just a case of, you know, this is one of the big two clubs, one of the old firm clubs. They'll pay whatever we have to we put out there and, and we'll milk it for all it's worth. Now, I know that clubs are struggling, but it, it did feel, feel a wee bit almost like extortion at a certain level. Mostly, I, I suppose the, the argument they would put is that if you were going to the game, you would buy a ticket and that would cost you... 25 quid or whatever a ticket costs these days for for an away game so they would say well you know that that's your equivalent of buying that that match ticket I, I, I'm not sure I, I agree with that argument but I suppose that's the that's the argument they would use um the most important thing I would say is what do they charge for St Mirren v uh, Ross County for instance do they stream those games I don't know but if they do how much do they charge for fans to watch those games, did they charge seventeen fifty or did they charge a fiver or a tenner? Because I suspect they probably charge a fiver or a tenner. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm wrong in that. So it, it strikes me. Oh, I don't think yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it looks to me as if they're probably just bumping as as it happens all the time and has happened in as long as I've been going to uh, football matches. They bump up the prices because they know that they can. They're going to get a massive audience, uh, or relatively speaking, a massive audience for them. I didn't pay it. Uh, I found another way to watch the game, and and I, as much as I can, refuse to pay for, for pay per view, and try and pay as little as I can for for any of these uh, 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 ways to stream games because I just think we we pay a fortune already as 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 football fans, and uh, I, I, the 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 cost to the clubs for doing that stuff is barely uh, registers, and uh, and fans are generally speaking ripped off so I'll do my best to avoid it if I can um, I will do if I need to but generally speaking you can get by without doing it so but I know that's not for everyone so uh, so yeah I mean it, it it's standard isn't it I mean it's it, you know whether it's uh, ripping fans off for for tickets or ripping fans off for live streams and uh, you know it's it's, just, it's it's what's always happened uh, when when Rangers come to town so I suppose we should be used to it by now Chris, what, what's, what's your sort of view on it? I mean, St Johnston are one of the clubs 
I mean, one of the last away games I went to was was last season, and it was it was at Perth, and it was thirty pound for a ticket. So thirty pound for me and my boy, sixty pound to get into a, a game of football, which is is, is fairly extortionate. But in, in terms of this pay per view, is, is there any sort of chat going on in, in the media about it? Because I mean, the build up was just you could hear people setting up chatting, you know, I put that plug in there, I test this and blah, blah, blah. Like, there was no, like, someone standing there with a mic, you know, as you would get in Rangers TV or Sky Television, doing a wee sort of, you know, pre-match chat kind of thing. None of that. Uh, then the game starts, half-time, a few adverts, then you get the game again, and then, and then it finishes. So, so for your £18.50, you were just basically getting the game. There was no analysis, there was no pre-match stuff, any of that. So has, has there been any chat, you know, within the sort of, you know, the football media circles about, you know, how, how clubs are, are, are handling these these sort of streaming events and how much they're, they're charging for them? I think a lot of it comes back to was a fairly hectic and shambolic summer in, in Scottish football in general. The SPFL in the summer should have laid out rules to say, if you are a home team and you're streaming through the away team, it's capped up. Eight pounds. It's capped at ten. Whatever it was. Every game I've been to this season, every club has got their own COVID form. They've all got their, their different COVID rules. There's so many different uh, seating variations. There's different uh, areas of the grounds are not allowed in. There's certain grounds. There's only one guy out to do interviews, or three out to do interviews, or the whole press pack is allowed to do interviews. There's no except rule and regulation for how Scottish football is actually going to be governed in terms of media stuff. And it seems to be the same stuff in terms of the. In terms of fans, if the SPL had said to all the clubs, look, you can charge what you like for season tickets, that's your no, that's your priority, that's up, that's up to you. But you have to provide a service for away fans and cap it at £8, £10, whatever it's going to be. So you then can't get a situation where St Johnson maybe charge 15 quid for St Johnson against Aberdeen, only charge 7 quid when it's Ross County, but then charge 17 50 or £18 when it's Rangers because they know there's going to be money made there. It should be the same. If you're an away fan, it should be the same across the board. They can't use the excuse of, well, there's increased policing costs and there's increased catering costs, like when the yeah. Raiders on Celtic turn up. So on, on a match day, there's also increased costs and they then cover some of those increased costs with increased uh, ticket prices. If they're just pressing the button and pressing send up on the stream, Rangers fans should be paying the same as everybody else. And that, that service, when it's not as, as good as it, as it should be, that, that shouldn't be... At, at the price that it's actually at. I think it also highlights how good a job Rangers have done with Rangers TV this season. They've, yeah. they, put a lot of, they, they put a lot of money into it. The production, the games that I have watched, some of the European games, the production value of, of it is, is excellent. Now, the guys that have got in the studio know their stuff. They've got proper studio set up. Ad, adverts are done well. The, the whole thing does look professional and look like a production you'd want from a club of, of Rangers size and stature. I think Rangers have done it very well. Other clubs, I, I think, are in danger of, of missing the boat. Uh, because in in five years' time, in 10 years' time, in 20 years' time, the Sky, B, Sky, B and uh, BT, that, that model eventually might burst. And when that bubble bursts, there should then be a, a, a way in for clubs to maximise online streaming and on, online revenues. And if you get fans that are a bit upset and aren't, aren't very impressed with the, with the service that's been provided now, in the future, why would you then go back to them when, as you say, there's... There's so many other, other ways of doing it. Now, if that was to happen and the, like after the Sky deal runs out, if Rangers can then say, well, we don't want to sign up for the Sky deal, you're just going to fog our, our games through our services, through our website, straight to our fans. Rangers fans are more than happily put their money straight into the club. One, because it's going straight into the club rather than into 
into Sky, but they know the product they're getting is going to be of a certain standard and they're not going to have the sounds of the guy setting up and plugging it yeah. in five minutes before the game. They're, they're getting something that's actually worth the money. So I think that I think Scottish football in general is in danger of missing the boat and missing what should be a really good opportunity out of also circumstances that nobody wants to uh, find themselves in. Ian, just one quick final thing on this. Have St Johnson and maybe other clubs maybe missing a trick here because you know, I've I seen a lot of reaction on uh, Twitter to it saying, well, you know, I'll find another way. You know, if they were charging a tenner, I would have done it. But I'll find another way, an illegal stream or whatever. So if they maybe actually shot themselves in the foot here by, you know, setting the bar so high that they've actually turned away a huge amount of people that would have signed up if it was maybe £10, for example. Well, definitely. I mean, you know, the simple fact is if they charged under a tenner, I would have probably done it. They didn't, so I, I didn't, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. So you know, the question is: Is it better to have five thousand people paying seventeen fifty, or twenty thousand people paying a tenner? And I suppose that's the the maths they have to do. Um, same, same, I guess, what it is with uh, with the ticket prices as well. Um, but as ever, uh, there's a, usually a bit of a short termism in in Scottish football, and uh, they don't really think through the the longer term implications and the bigger picture seems to get missed quite often as well. So, uh, so yeah, that's probably where, where they've gone wrong. Right, moving on to Wednesday night, guys, and another <coughs> another Saint, St Mirren, and that is also uh, a pay-per-view game. However, I was, I was on the St Mirren TV website today, £12.50, so that seems, you know, I'm not quite as annoyed. I, don't, I know it's only maybe five, six quid or whatever, but there, there, it does feel like a fairer price and thing, so I won't be quite as peed off when I, when I subscribe to that but Chris potentially a tricky game when you, you consider the, the result there a couple of weeks ago in the Betfred Cup St Mirren are on a, 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 you know, a pretty good a pretty good run at the moment uh, they won yesterday against Ross County 2-0 uh, they've only lost one game in their last five they're, they're on a run of form you know and I'm not saying Rangers are, are out of form at the moment but that as we said earlier on that free flowing high scoring uh, sort of high-level performance of, of early on in the season has sort of dipped a wee bit. So potentially a, a, another tricky night in Paisley on Wednesday. Like if you look at the St. Johnston game from last week, the St. Johnston game was everything the St. Murn game should have been. If Rangers had played how, how they played against St. Murn, and I think they would have went out and been through and they'd have a better fed cup uh, semi-final to look forward to. I didn't, I didn't go right for them that, that night in Paisley uh, and they have to find a, have to find these in wide now. Again, I think you have to give a bit of credit to St Murray. They, they did play well, but Rangers just made uncharacteristic mistakes. The, the goals they gave away so sloppy, they didn't really take their chances when they came along. Just, just weren't, weren't at it on the night. Uh, and that also raised the familiar questions of mentality and bottle and that type of thing. I think they have answered that in the last couple of weeks to then go back back to St Murray, go and, go and get another one. That then really puts that it puts that to bed. So I think you'll, you'll see a far better a far better, a far more efficient, a far more controlled uh, Rangers performance. But as you say, Murden aside, in form, you look at the squad that they assembled in the summer, I didn't expect them to didn't expect them to struggle. The form they've shown in the last few weeks is true for that. So now certainly certainly not a tricky one for Rangers, but I would expect them to come through at this time. Ian, uh, Celtic are at home on the Wednesday night against Dungeon United. Obviously the big game next Saturday it feels like it always feels at this time of year that it's, it's a sort of vital part of the season. In January is quite a tricky month for us. We're, we're away to Pataudry, we're away to Easter Road, uh, away to Motherwell. You know, three grounds that can can you know 
ask questions of us, certainly. Uh, so how vital is it that, that Rangers keep going, especially in the build-up to, to, to the big game next week, you know, keep that, that lead as it is going into that game next week? I think it's all about momentum, isn't it? I mean, that's 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 the big thing. You know, going into the, the game, if, if we drop points this week, it would, in midweek, it wouldn't be the end of the world in the bigger picture. But what it says is, uh, immediately before that game, it gives... Celtic more of a, a confidence, it knocks our confidence a bit as well, so it changes the picture of you bit going into that game and when you go into these games, confidence and momentum are all you know all important, so I would want us to go into that game on Saturday or whatever day it is, next weekend uh, with the three points in the bag and, and like Chris said, I mean I think you know, with a bad day that game, uh, picked the against St Mirren in the first game, picked the wrong time to have it. I think a lot of it was down to the team selection. I think it probably made too many changes, and I think uh, Stephen Gerrard would probably uh, agree that that was probably the case. Uh, maybe he's looking at it from the point of view of, well, what's more important, that we, we win the league or we win the Betfred Cup? And I know winning the Betfred Cup would have been nice, but at the end of the season, if we win the league, then nobody's going to remember whether we uh, won the, the League Cup or not. So maybe that's how he looked at it. But I do think you know we, we made too many changes, uh, especially in midfield in that game. And uh, and that's probably what undid us in, in, in some ways. But it'll be difficult, but every game's difficult. I mean, I, I said before the before the last, um, before the Motherwell game, I said if we get 11 points out of 15 out of the next five games, I think that was up to the Aberdeen game. I think we'd be all right. Um, I think that would be acceptable. And so far, we've got uh, six, so we can afford to draw two more games according to my uh, my schedule. <laughs> I don't know. Whether, I don't know whether I agree with that. If we actually draw against Celtic and Aberdeen as well, but but um, I mean, I, I think you know we're, we were talking before as well about the you know the, the number of games you know we've gone undefeated and and eventually we're going to lose a game in the league. That that's inevitable probably, and. Uh, it, the longer it goes, probably the worse it's going to be when that happens because it'll either be a big important game or it'll come at a key time when we really need to win the win all our games. We'll feel like that. So it's, you know, it, it's, it's never going to be a good time to do that. But, you know, I, th I think, you know, we just want to keep the momentum going. And I think, you know, Samirin will be a difficult game to, to tackle, but we need to tackle it. And, you know, that's that's what these players have to do to, to win the league. They have to prove that they can win these games and uh, and you know I, I, again I think they will I think I think they'll they'll they're not going to let the same thing happen twice I think they'll they'll be motivated to get out there and win win on Wednesday night or Wednesday afternoon isn't it is it Wednesday afternoon no, I think it's three o'clock kickoff just as well I'm off <laughs> or, I'd, or I'd, I'd had to put in a private appointment for my calendar at work uh Guys, moving on, I've, 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 I've tried to avoid the, the Celtic game and agenda because uh, I'm looking to get a show out through the week, but we've, we've rattled through the agenda fairly quickly, so we'll have a wee quick sort of five-minute discussion about the game next week. Uh, Chris, I mean, I mean, these games are always big, and, and there was a, there was a time maybe three or four weeks ago, you know, when Celtic were going through that period, of getting pretty much pumped every week, you know, getting humiliated in Europe, uh, getting beat domestically, and you know, we, we were winning. You know, me and my mate were like, can't wait to play them. You know, we will absolutely annihilate them. It feels like Celtic have turned a wee bit of a corner. I mean, I think the game last week against Hearts, I think, you know, that showed that they've still got a wee bit of sort of 
vulnerability about them uh, defensively that they can be got at, but they do seem to have turned a wee bit of a corner. So, I mean, I, I mean, going into the game, I'm still feeling fairly confident that, you know, it's, it's at Ibrox. I, you know, I always fancy Rangers at Ibrox against anybody. But it does feel like it's not quite the game that we, we thought we were going to get maybe three or four weeks ago. I think the biggest danger for Rangers, not just on not just on Saturday against Celtic, the biggest danger for Rangers between now and the end of the season is complacency. If anybody thinks that this job is done, this title is won, and you can start planning your, your parties for May, you're, you're in for a shock. As Ian said, no, there will be there will be a game somewhere, there will be perhaps even two or three games in, in the space of four or five weeks where mistakes are going to be made, point, points are going to be dropped. If Rangers were to lose to Celtic on Saturday, I think it would be a shock. I think on, on paper, Rangers are, are the better team. Rangers clearly in the better form. And you would expect Rangers to go and win the game, but it's no fun game. Anything can happen. If Celtic turned up and, and defended well for a change and managed to sneak a 1 0 win, that, that then also gives them a boost. But Rangers, because of how impressive they've been in the first half of the season, and I think due to that mentality and that character and that drive that they've shown in the first half of the season, you don't get the fear that you know, the wheels are going to come off this time, even if Saturday doesn't go for them. It's also going to be a sore one. They'll be disappointed, they'll be angry about it. It shouldn't have the it shouldn't have the impact of well that just can swing the momentum 180 degrees and Celtic will then kick on from there. So as as important as the game is, I think Rangers would certainly I think they'd probably take a draw. As important as it is, it's not going to be a, a defining one. If Rangers lose, it doesn't change the momentum and doesn't derail them. If Rangers win, yes, it's a huge step towards towards winning the title. But I don't think it, it's certainly not a big enough step to say well that's it, that's it done and that's it dusted. Ian, I mean, I, I mean, Chris has got a point there. You know, it's, nothing's going to be won or lost in terms of silverware uh, next weekend. However, historically, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you remember the game. It was the sort of first time I remember Rangers winning the early game in my sort of Rangers supporting life, and that was in that 86, 87 season when Sunas arrived. I mean, it just felt. I mean, I started supporting Rangers sort of 81, 82. and it just felt every New Year game. You know, we we turned up at Ibrox or we turned up at Celtic Park. Uh, got well and truly horsed and then sent away packing again. And it feels like, I mean, there, there are times when it doesn't quite work out like that, but it, historically it does seem whoever wins that fixture tends to push on and, and gets, gets over the line. So although nothing will be won or lost, it, it is a, a, a huge game and a, and a significant one in the title race. Well, obviously, it is. Uh, I mean, what I've said all through this season is, and there's been a couple of setbacks uh, that it, the important thing is not so much what happened in that game, it's what happens after it. So if Rangers lose that game, the important thing is it's not the it's not the three points dropped in that game, which is you know, important, but we'd still be effectively four points at least ahead, given uh, their games in hand. Um, it's how we react to it. So my last season or the season before, your fear would be that Rangers could capitulate after that and 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 would really suffer a, a blow. This season, my hope is, and it's happened after the, the Livingston game where there was a lot of criticism and uh, they, they came back and, and reacted well to it after even the Benfica game where they where they were uh, comfortably winning and then uh, and drew the game. I think on both occasions people were saying, oh this is it, we know we're 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 gonna we're gonna collapse now and after the Samaritan game as well. <clears throat> I think and on all three occasions the next game was really important and then the next game I think Rangers won quite comfortably in each game and they really showed a good reaction so so I think I think this game will be close 
I think it will possibly be a draw. You know, I don't know, but you know, if we lose it, the important thing is that the following week when we play Aberdeen, that we come back out and and all guns blazing and and win the game, and don't give Celtic any further encouragement, and just keep that going as much as we can and move on to the next time and and just keep get the building momentum again. And Chris, sort of final word to yourself. I mean, these type of games, you get the impression that it's games that, that, that Stephen Gerrard loves. You know, he's, he's, it's almost like it's in his DNA. He is designed uh, for these these kind of fixtures. And he's, he's certainly, you know, I was reading a good interview with him in The Athletic uh, through the week there. And he was sort of saying, you know, when, when he first arrived, you know, Rangers were getting some seriously bad results against Celtic and he reversed that straight away you know even although he got beaten his first one it was 1-0 and it was a lot closer and then you know he managed to get his first win against them and then he's just sort of continued it and then he's got his first win at Celtic Park and you know it is the sort of game that he he loves I, I mean I don't think he'll have any issues sort of getting his players prepared and, and, and up for that game on Saturday. Something that Stephen mentioned fairly early on in his Rangers career and we are also doing uh, quite a lot of interviews from right at the start and he mentioned the fact he needed a club that gave him a buzz the same as he got in his playing career you could never imagine him going in and being a League One manager down south or even a middle of the road championship manager he has to be operating in a certain elite environment he has to be somewhere that just gives him that, that buzz and that and that rush and that and that pressure and that and, uh, and that uh, the ability to go on and, and be successful he's also got that at Rangers and the closer he gets I think the more that just inspires him. I think that I just gave snowballs. I think the the closer he he, he gets to winning something with Rangers, that's just going to give him that that ultimate buzz. And games games like the weekend, that that's basically why you become Rangers manager. You want to be competing in Europe. You want to be competing for uh, for leagues, and you, and you want to win in all fun games. I, I think the the noticeable thing is his celebrations between the two the two Parkhead wins last year. It felt like another another box being ticked on on the road to the recovery. It was something that. Rangers hadn't done for a while, something is something he hadn't done as as a manager. Second time I did it, it was just a well that that's just an old fun game. That that's just three points. If it was to go and win another one at the weekend, yes, it's a big game and a lot that goes around it. But I think he then just sees it as well. Ah, that, that's just another another small step. I don't think you'll be seeing the you know, the fist pumping and the hugs and the cuddles and the and the massive celebrations again. The the more he, he experiences and the more small steps he takes, he knows is is that wee bit closer to the it's a big one that we're all aiming for coming into the season. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. And we'll find out. I mean, it's a vital uh, seven seven days coming up and, uh, you know, uh, we'll see what comes out of it. But guys, I think I think that's us. I think we've, we've covered everything and even something else. I had to go a wee bit rogue there at the end and make up some stuff just, just to fill the time. Yeah, so a big thanks to Ian and Chris for their contributions there. Brilliant stuff from them, as always. Uh, impressive debut from Chris there. Yeah. Uh, We've got a few things coming up this week. We've got uh, obviously the game on Wednesday night against uh, St Mum. We've got the, the big old fun game on Saturday. So we'll have a couple of shows, try and get a preview show out for the Celtic game midweek. And then we'll obviously have the reaction show next Sunday. But in the meantime, get yourself onto the Jersnet and forums at www.jersnet.co.uk. Guys, as I say every time I, I host now, it's strange times at the moment and we're, we're all back into tier four. So, you know, stay safe, look after one another. And until the next time, bye for now.